Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that gets deep into the psyche of those who have achieved the extraordinary, from sports people to business people to social change innovators, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success. Brought to you by Running Hot Coaching, the platform that helps you achieve all your health and fitness goals. Well, welcome to the show, everybody, Pushing the Limits, where we get behind the psyche of people that are pushing the limits and the boundaries. We're here today with uh, Darren Aris from CrossFit New Zealand. Darren, nice to see you, mate. How are you doing? Great to see you, too. I'm doing very well. <laughs> now, Darren, um, we've known each other for a few years now, and you and I were on a TV show called The Fit Club, which we're um, just talking about resurrecting, and, you know, back, back then... When we were filming, you know, you were right um, at the forefront of CrossFit at that stage and bringing it into New Zealand. Can you explain to the listeners, perhaps for a start, is what CrossFit actually is? Um, sure. Um, in a nutshell, it's, it's just real exercise with coaches who know what they're talking about and a really cool community to do it with. It, it's, to be honest, it's not much more complicated than that. Um, on, a, on a technical perspective, uh, we talk about functional exercise, we talk about high intensity, um, we talk about constant variance, i.e. doing lots of different things. But um, yeah, at the, the, the crux of it, it's just we've got rid of all the fluff, we're only doing the movements that give you the most bang for your buck. Um, we take a lot of pride in the knowledge of our coaches and their ability to help you move better, um, fix injuries, avoid injuries, and then just a really good vibe in the gym when you're working out, which, you know, is so often lacking. Um, and those, those things combined just make for really good results. <laughs> well, you know, the, the CrossFit phenomenon um, worldwide has sort of taken the world by storm in the last, what, seven, eight years, I'd, I'd say, would it be? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, um, yeah, and, and you brought it to New Zealand. You were the first to bring CrossFit to New Zealand. Yeah, um... No, I certainly can't confess to any uh, special knowledge or, or uh, guesses as to you know trends. Uh, it was sort of very similar to the way that I was training myself, though, and um, starting to train some of my own clients, and I could see that they were enjoying that kind of uh, that kind of training, that kind of variety. And um, I was looking for always looking for new ways to train myself, and um, yeah, just after a couple of false starts where I thought it, it, it was maybe a little bit silly. It didn't make a lot of sense <laughs> to me at the time. Yeah. Um, and that was only due to how, how simplistic they, they put the, the ideas across. But as we all know, you know, some of the most genius um, ideas and philosophies, um, if, they, if they just put it, they are at their most profound when they can explain simply. Yeah. And that's what it was. And it took me a while to be smart enough to grasp it. And once I did, literally was probably three months before we opened opened the gym. Uh, it was a yeah, definite um, revelation. Yeah, because yeah, you've got you've got a um, master's in sports science, haven't you, Darren? So you, you know you've not come from uh, you, you've come from an academic and sports science background, um, and yet, yeah, you 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 have adopted this relatively simple uh, philosophy. Um, did that sit well at the beginning when you first came out of university? Um, that was probably part of what, what where the resistance came from. I 
yeah, it was everything was heart rates and power output and um, uh, training zones and and not that there's anything wrong specifically with any of those things, um, but a lot of them just aren't necessary for the the average person who's trying to get fit. And, and dare I say, for, even for some of our elite athletes, it could be that it's just a little bit too overthought, a little too technical. When often what's needed is just good old-fashioned hard work, and you don't really need to put. Uh, well, when I say you don't need to put a measure on it, CrossFit is, is famous for measuring things, but what we measure is uh, how much did you lift, how fast did you go, did you do better than last time is the, most, is the more interesting and effective one, is just trying to improve on what you did the last time um, and not getting too caught up in, in yeah, heart rate zones and, and things like that. Just, just do the work, do the right work, do better next time. And yeah, it was quite... Eventually, it was quite refreshing to let go of a lot of those exercise science principles. Um, I mean, it's still, they're, they're in there, it's just I'm not focused on them. So Yeah, you've lost the structure. It works because it is following um, the principles of biology and physiology and, and biomechanics and stuff like that. Um, I guess they just don't make too big a deal of it. Well, that's um, interesting because, you know, as a, as a runner um, and as now as a running coach, you know, I've... Um, I was never one of those very technical people. I mean, I did for a while get into all the heart rate zone and lactic testing and, and VO2 maxes and all those sort of things. And I actually found, yes, it was good to have all that knowledge, but um, at the end of the day, it certainly didn't help me in the ultra marathon scene because there it was all about just, you know, hanging on for dear life, basically. And even in the in the shorter distance training, say um, more elite runners in the shorter distances, I still find it very restrictive to be confined to that type of um, uh, environment, if you like, you know, where, um, and in the in the last four or five years, my whole thinking has also changed as a coach and as somebody who's done it the wrong way or not necessarily the most efficient way. Um, I've come around to a lot of the things that you have been talking about for, for a few years. I've actually ended up coming to a similar point, even though we've come from two different, very different sports, if you like. That background um, of yeah, functional movement, high intensity, um, correct diets, you know, good simple diets, um, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit later too. But there's there's so much change and there's so much information out there. It is really really hard for someone who you know who's just does this as a hobby or is on the side to make sense of it all. Absolutely, yeah, it's can be very overwhelming, um, which is why I think. That, that this approach is is a great tool in the sense that it, it does strip it back and it just says, look, um, do some exercise, um, do some, you know, it doesn't have to be crossword, do some stuff that you can see yourself doing on a regular basis. Um, sure, if, you, if you're gonna tell me that you hate all exercise, well, it's, you're gonna kind of have to grow up a little bit. Um, the same goes with the nutrition. If, uh, if you're gonna tell me you hate all vegetables, I'm sorry, uh, you're an adult now. But um, it's not much more complicated than eat stuff that grows and um, runs around <laughs> pretty much and um, don't get too consumed with the amounts and, um, and points and calories and stuff like that. Just eat real food, enjoy it, you know, consume it with friends and family and uh, you'll be probably 99% on track. Yeah, let's talk about a little bit about um, the paleo uh, diet that um, I know you follow. Um, how serious do you have to be if you, uh, because you know, there's when it comes to when it comes to nutrition and food, we're all very sensitive about 
you know, you take away my sugar and I'm like a very grumpy person. It's a battle that I've, you know, fought yeah, with for years. Sort of beliefs on that. Um, yeah, you know, it's a very hard thing. It's a very personal thing, and it's a very um, touchy subject with a lot of us. How do you how do you get across? How do you change yourself without becoming completely preoccupied all the time with being this complete, you know, nutter yeah. who who? It's tough. It is tough, um, and that's certainly where I'm trying to get people to get to is to is to that point where they aren't thinking about food all the time. It's a mm. it's a miserable existence if if we're eating three square meals a day. You know, that's 21 times a week you are thinking, oh my god, what should I eat now? Is this going to make me fat? Is this going to help me build muscle? Is this going to help me do better at my sport? Um, I'm not sure if there's enough veggies on this plate. Is this too much protein? Will it give me cancer? <laughs> what a, what a when food is supposed to be, you know, we're the eight species that truly gets to enjoy food. Um, we don't want to be adding all that into the mix. We, so, we do, we do, don't we? Yeah, at the same time, thanks to the, you know, the miracles of science and food technology, there's... There are foods out there that you know literally cause addiction and make it very hard to to eat eat the food that we're supposed to eat the way we're supposed to eat it. And um, that, so there can be a, a there's definitely an adjustment period if you're coming from a point of disordered or, or shall we say broken eating methods or, or yep. practices. Um, but now I should make point that I don't like to say paleo. Right. Um, as far as I'm concerned, that that word, unfortunately, despite being sort of the new trend or, or, or way of eating, um, it's already been taken over by a lot of <laughs> companies, and, and and you know you can get paleo everything now, and it's it's not it's not supposed to be a diet. It's supposed to be a, a, a an approach, a philosophy of eating, which is is eating more real food. So that's that's the thing I tend to say is just eat real food. Now that gives a little bit more of a broader scope. Certainly the original paleo diet, like from the book The Paleo Diet, which was uh, Dr. Lauren Cordain, um, published quite a few years ago now, uh, it was reasonably restrictive. Um, and I think there's room for a, a little bit of range amongst different people. You know, we've all got certain tolerances and intolerances um, so I've, I've found within that border of real food, you know, for some people they might find that they get away with, um, let's say, a little bit of bread, which yep. is normally a, a big no-no in the paleo world. Uh, I would recommend that it was the best possible bread they could get. Yep. You know, handmade, uh, possibly sourdough, which tends to be very, very low in gluten, um, so a lot less chance of any sensitivity there. And I certainly wouldn't be recommending that it was a daily thing, but, you know, a piece of bread here and there, Hey, um, won't kill you. Really some people, but also from a social perspective, can avoid that whole. Oh no, I you know I don't eat bread, and, and getting into that kind of arguing with with mum type yeah. thing. Because <laughs> it is very um, personal, you know. Like uh, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I was a gymnast when I was a young girl, and every week we were weighed publicly, you know, in front of the whole club, and I was a big, strong, muscular young girl, certainly not fat, but it was put in my head that I was overweight. And then, so back then, you know, I went and did extreme sort of dieting and anorexia and and all that sort of jazz for those first years. And I know how much that can stuff up your brain and stuff up your life, you know. And it's a constant... 
um, bed or even, you know, that's one of the reasons I started running crazy distances was to be able to control the, the weight issues, you know, that I didn't actually have, but someone put in my head that I did have. Um, and, and the effects of that, you know, um, and how much it can uh, damage your life. Um, and I think bringing everything back into just sensible, rational, normal eating habits, because it's so, you know, when you, you tend to go to extremes, you know, well, I certainly did, you know, it was either all or nothing. And um, it was the way it was taught in a way, and it wasn't presented that way. But um, yeah, it's it's just what's what has led people up. Yeah, it's funny you talk about the marathon thing. I, I, I've got this theory that I, that I think is is probably pretty sound. Um, that the majority of um, and I'm going to pick on on women because unfortunately yep. that's generally the case. The majority of women who run marathons are doing it with the to lose weight. Back of their mind that it will help them lose weight. <laughs> so they'll tell their friends and family and myself uh, that it's yep. a challenge. Oh, I always wanted to run a marathon, da da da. But what they're actually doing it for is they're hoping that training and the, even the run itself will result in them attaining this magical yep. kilogram figure of body weight. Um, yeah, it's so, so common. And it's often you're right. the exact opposite thing they need to be doing because, of course, these long runs just make. The body crave sugar and carbs. Uh, it, it drives the appetite up. Uh, it causes a lot of you know stress on the joints. Um, if someone is reasonably overweight and then is using running as a method solely of losing weight, then of course it's, it's magnifying the stress on the joints, which then results in an injury that results in the uh, goddamn psychological issues. Now I'm on the couch. I can't even run. I may as well have more potato <laughs> chips. And we're in we're in a terrible spiral. Uh, yeah, the, so I mean, I, I you're a brave I, man I, saying I, that to me, eh? Hey? <laughs> but I form of exercise and sport. Yeah, uh, but um, it has to be, of course, it has to be approached with the right with the right mindset. And yeah, you were talking about body weight. I was just actually talking to a, a new member yesterday uh, about my fiance when she joined. She was in the she was about 50 kilos. And um, she told me this much later, but her goal was to get below 50. That was in her head. That's where she wanted. That was the magic number. Crazy. You know, a size zero or a size two or whatever the heck it was. Yep. Um, she now weighs about 62 kilos. And Perfect. She's be happier. And um, if you glance, probably glance at before or after photos, you know, she, in, in clothing, she looked the same size or not, if not smaller, because uh, she's replaced fat with muscle. Muscle takes up less space, so despite weighing another twelve kilos heavier, um, she's in the best shape of her life. She, and um, yeah. so trying to get more women to understand that is um, is a big goal of mine. Yes, um, it's okay. To, it's okay to get muscle, and, and it's okay, yeah, because that that was the measure of everything for me. I mean, I I weigh sixty two as well, and my whole mission always in life was to get under fifty nine. You know, which for me was. I just never seem to, to, to get there, and I've been this weight now since I was 12 years old. I've stayed at 62 kilos more or less, so it's gone up a bit, but I've never gone below much. Um, and, and what you said before about women uh, in running, unfortunately, and I'm a running coach, so this is going against <laughs> my own business, really, to say this, but and that's why in my running programs, because 
running has a number of aspects to it. it is, again, it's the social thing. It's the wanting. It is the challenge. It is all that. Um, but you're damn right. A lot of women start running to lose weight, and it isn't the most efficient way to lose weight. I mean, any exercise is better than no exercise. But um, when I'm tr- coaching people, I'm teaching them to do all the stuff that you do: the strength and conditioning programs, the technique is huge, um, the mobility work and rehab work, uh, things that they don't want to know about, but those are the prerequisites to be able to run long without injury. Um, and so, you know, I do a lot of preaching around around the, those sort of topics and, I, you know, it falls on deaf ears 90% of the time and I know that I'm, I'm once again just ahead of of the time because I know that in five years it, it, they'll start to understand that but a lot of the runners are still coming at you I've got to do X amount of miles per week because that's what Arthur Lydia did and and that's the way it is you know if I'm not smashing the miles then I'm not fit um, I mean I, I, I venture to say now as an athlete who's doing no long distance at the moment for, for other reasons because I'm just experimenting and, and I'm doing only short stuff I believe I'm fitter and stronger and healthier than I was when I was say doing Death Valley um, you know so that's an interesting I, it is a trade off I, I can't go and run Death Valley right now you do trade your endurance for um, yeah, other things a, but it's, it's a very specific goal and so absolutely I wouldn't if I was training someone for that race, um, I would take a similar approach. You know, I'd have them avoiding those long distances for a while, but at some point, absolutely, they've got to learn to spend a bit of extra time on their feet. Yeah. Uh, even from a mental perspective, that's which is huge, um, as we've often spoken about. So yeah. just just understanding how to deal with that requires uh, a couple of longer runs. Yep. But um, we certainly, I would feel that we we would still be trying to look for that. I guess you call it minimum optimal dose yes. so they can stay as healthy as possible and then they're able to go out and do that event enjoy that event because I think coming back to the shorter stuff the marathons too many people are um, on the verge of getting an injury or are injured um, they've already run they've tested the marathon a couple of times before you even do the race and their goal is not to win it so I, I always say well, what are you doing if you're going to do a marathon two weeks before why did you bother spending all that money on an entry fee? Yeah. Um, and then you just have to look on Trade Me. Look, like, check Trade Me at the beginning of October, and there'll be all these ultra marathon tickets. Oh, really? Run themselves into the ground. They can't. Then they have to pull out. Exactly. I mean, that's that's my job as a coach, is to try and get them there without them cooking themselves. And I spend most of my time trying to pull them back. They're doing too many miles. They're doing not enough strength work. The exacerbating their injuries you know <laughs> that's where you so really what you are is a movement coach rather than a running coach yeah you know, yeah you use running as, as the main vessel yeah but you teach people how to move better and that's more than just running I you know people come to me for fitness and in return I teach them how to move better which results in them being fitter and it's funny because I often have trying to coax people to run a little bit more <laughs> trying to pull them back because everyone gets hooked on the barbells and the kettlebells and the rope climbing and the, yep. the sick bags here and, uh, and then um, they start dreading the running which is quite funny because we oh. don't do long distances but uh, well, so I do I mean that's where I do think that running is a natural movement for humans you know like I, I do think we are born born to run sure 
you know, and it is a definitely a big part of that. And that, you know, when people keep telling me, you know, you got to wreck your joints and all that, that, that's for me is it hasn't ever borne any truth. You know, if you go and look at the research and stuff, you're only going to wreck your joints if you're running incorrectly, if you're smashing yourself into the ground instead of running really lightly, um, and if perhaps you're really overweight, well then you can, yeah, um, you've got to start maybe on the bike or or doing something else or or CrossFit type stuff. The hardest thing I think with people at the beginning of their journey is getting that intensity in so that they can lose weight because that intensity is what what loses the weight, you know, um, burns the fat, but they're they're not there yet to be able to do that, you know. What's your take on that as a coach? Because I'd be interested to to get some more yeah, guidance on that. And things like that can be fantastic. So, yeah, in order to work at a higher intensity, we want to lower the exercise technicality. So, um, a, a good example in the gym here would be we we could have an athlete doing. Uh, muscle-ups and rope climbs and barbell snatches and box jumps and they could get their heart rate through the roof and work at a very high intensity if they were very um, experienced in those movements. However, for someone who wasn't experienced in those movements and I wanted to get them to a similar feeling, then we would do things like slam balls, which is just throwing a metasport hard against the ground, requires virtually no skill whatsoever, um, maybe just walking lunges, uh, some burpees, which is the classic sort of no skill calisthenic exercise. Everyone knows and loves that one. <laughs> uh, maybe um, picking up a sandbag or um, walking with a heavy sandbag, and, and things like that will get the heart rate up just as efficiently, but um, much much more low tech. So they're li- so, less likely to injure themselves, although with like things like sandbags and stuff, you've got to be correct form picking it up and stuff like yeah, that. To some degree, but um, they actually, believe it or not, they're sort of surprisingly forgiving. Um, the odd object shape of them means yep. the weight's actually a lot lighter compared to what could be done with a barbell, for instance. Ah, okay. So picking up a sandbag, the awkwardness requires you to slow down and really think about what you're doing, um, but it's, the awkwardness also adds to that um, high heart rate effect. Um, but yeah, going coming back even further, if we just put somebody on a stationary bike and said pedal as hard as you can, they don't have to be a Tour de France team member to be able to work themselves into a real ladder yep. because it'll just spin your legs. So we could get someone who's very inexperienced at exercise to work very hard just on a bike. Yeah. Um, and we're progressing yep. from that to maybe um, a rowing erg and then to some moderate distance sprints where we maybe put them on the grass or a track where we can control the surface and make sure it's a bit forgiving on the joints yep. and then slowly shorten the distances and increase the um, the intensity. I actually find that hill sprints and stair sprints are phenomenal for the um, slightly inexperienced athlete because right. if you think about it, there's not the, the, the foot is not falling very far yes. because they're looking up the hill. Yep. By the time they've lifted the leg, it's almost touching the ground again yep so the impact is very very low but the effort is very very high because they're running up yeah yeah so even uh, walking is yeah and then and then turning around and walking back down not running again to because otherwise you'd have the exact opposite of yeah so so a you know a 30 second to 60 second hill run at even a moderate pace will, will be very very intense turn around walk slowly to the bottom 
um, pretty much hating life. Until you're about 10 seconds from the bottom, then you suddenly realize, oh, maybe I can do another run. Turn around, <laughs> run back to the top. <laughs> how, bottom, hating life. <laughs> how, how far do you push people, though? Like, um, because when you see so someone comes to you and they're presenting with you, with, you know, they're 100 plus kilos, they're maybe like 30, 40, 50 kilos overweight. Um, what sort of precautions do you take as far as like getting their heart rate up to those sort of higher levels, those anaerobic levels, um, as far as safety goes and, and that sort of thing? What's well, something I'm very fond of saying is we can always go harder tomorrow, we can always lift more weight tomorrow, we can always run faster tomorrow, and that's really important is, is just focusing on doing slightly better today than you did the last time. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the max effort possible CrossFit is very famous for high intensity but it's a relative intensity it means you are working hard for you and so on a given day for a given level of fitness or or body composition um, it might not be that much at all and that's fine as long as the next time we do it we try to do a little bit better Mm -hmm. and that could be that could be a whole year of progression whereas someone who you know, an, an active 18-year-old is going to make much faster progress than someone who's been inactive for 50 years of their life. Yeah, yeah. And so, and that's just reality. So, they want to get fit fast as well. Perhaps that 50-year-old's made the decision that, all right, I'm going to sort my lunch crap out yeah. now. But, you know, hey, it's I'll have that conversation. Look, let's think about how many years you haven't been doing anything. We have to take a realistic approach with our timeline. Um, the 18-year-old and just make sure they don't injure themselves from going, you know, too fast hard. as well but they're likely to make much faster progress um, and they're much more likely to do that injury free without any hassles because their body is a lot more resilient so yeah that, that example mm. overweight person you mentioned yeah we would keep the impact down so that they're not going to be doing box jumps they're not going to be doing sprints they'll be keeping their feet on the ground they'll be moving at a slower pace sometimes I'll use a simple you know scale of 1 to 10 effort how's this feel with 10 being impossible one being no exercise at all and you know they'll feed back to me and if they say a six I'll be like yeah that's probably pretty good for you right now yep. whereas yep. that 18 year old they could probably jump straight to an eight straight first to day. Eight. Yep. Um, and, and then being attempting to build to a nine and a ten some of the other days but uh, my, my newbie yeah fives and sixes that's plenty of work and even a couple of days we were doing threes and fours just so that they don't burn out they you know they, they maintain their enthusiasm because so, it can be stressful yeah. and to work hard, even if it is a six, you know, which to somebody else who's pretty fit would think that it's, you know, poo-poo, but um, a six when you're only used to one, it's, it's, it can be pretty tough. So, yeah, varying that intensity on a daily basis is pretty good as well. So a long walk, I'm all for it, even though I, sometimes I joke that a long walk is just locomotion, not exercise. <laughs> um, it could fit very nicely into a balanced exercise routine. In fact, yeah. people have been doing a lot of high-intensity stuff it's actually hard to get your hardcore crossfitter to just take a long walk. But I often think sometimes that's the best. Like if they want to add extra training, that might be the best thing for them because they're not doing enough of that low intensity movement. Just good old fashioned movement like we're built to do, you know, roaming around the plains kind of thing. <laughs> doing slow yeah, running or example, But um, it's, it's very beneficial both from a stress management perspective, you know, walk on the beach with a dog or a loved one or family or, or whatever it is. Um, that stuff's really good for you as well. So, how do you balance, like, uh, as a as an athlete who tends to personally go too hard, mm-hmm. too often, and I have to rein myself in, but I'm not very good at it. Um, 
you know, especially now that I'm not doing long stuff so much, I'm, I tend to want to smash it every day um, because it's, it's that, you know, balancing that out. And I know that that's not really conducive to moving forward so much, is it? Yeah. Um, well, this is where sometimes we can get some measurements in there. So um, I don't know if you've heard of something called um, HRV, heart rate variability. No. But, um, that's a, a form of measurement that can uh, help identify overtraining and, uh, and workout readiness or, or you know, uh, readiness to, to work that day. So oh. it's a morning heart rate measurement. Oh, yep, yep, um, yep. And, they, and it, can track, it can track across time and, and basically give a little bit of an indication yeah, before some you get out of bed. Advanced, yeah, some of the more advanced ones are looking at, at your nervous system as well. So it, it can be quite a, a, a good insight to to how, how truly recovered you are and, and how you're responding to the exercise that you're doing. And then other things are um, just the results. So if I had someone who's telling me that they want to train more, um, we would monitor that results, you know, and if, if they started going backwards, it would be a very easy indication. I'll try and prevent getting to there. That would often be perhaps if I'm trying to prove a point, you know, if I had a client who I wasn't able to rein in, yep. they were just yep. going, going, sneaking workouts in <laughs> behind my back, which has been known to happen. <laughs> uh, then sometimes I'll kind of let them go, knowing that I'll be proven right in a matter of weeks. Like yep. I'll be able to, like there'll be a big test coming up or something or a competition and they'll perform poorly. And without being that uh, I told you so guy, yeah. Hopefully we can have a conversation and say, look, you know, you see, well, this is what I was talking about. This is generally the results of too much too soon or too much full stop. Yep. I mean, I get the same thing with the running. I have to pull some of our real dedicated athletes back. They just will not yeah. chop the mileage. And, you know, it's a real, and you know that they're going to get to the start line burned out. And yeah. uh, they're not going to. They're not, you know, it's, it, each person you have to sort of gauge them as an emotional being where they're at too, because um, a lot of them, you know, it's, yeah, they just tend to go too hard. One of the other things I found though with CrossFit when I started doing it in the early days, um, I did get injured because of that competitiveness. Um, how, like you, I mean, you're one of the most experienced CrossFitters out there but there are a lot of other CrossFit gyms that probably aren't haven't got such experienced people running them um, and you, you know you do hear a lot of dangers and issues with injuries and stuff and I know in my case I pushed way too hard trying to compete with 20 year old boys um, yeah. and stuffed my back up pretty quickly uh, this is you know four or five years ago um, what's your you know what's your take on the negative press that, that CrossFit gets on that type of thing yeah, I've had I've had a variety of thoughts on it in the past. Um, I do. I have come to realise that um, it's it's often it's, it's crossword. Sometimes it's a victim of its simplicity. You know, it, when you see a workout and it says 100 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, 100 squats, scale is needed. Very very simple. And of course, most people who are into crossword look at that and go, "All right, great, I'm going to do 100." Yep. And they, they ignore that, that small but very important sentence at the bottom that says scale is needed. <laughs> and um, that's, that's, all, that's all that's needed from CrossFit. 
um, because we, you know, we should be exhibiting personal responsibility and intelligence. But <laughs> said, and this is not a dig at you because I'd be just as guilty. Um, we, yeah, CrossFit naturally draws competitive people or, or um, motivated people. And it can be hard to associate scaling the workout with better results because everyone thinks, well, I've got to do everything that's on the list to get to get the most results and absolutely not because there are people that can do 100 reps of those movements and then turn around and go, all right, what should we do next? Mm. Um, and then there are people who will end up in a hospital. Yeah. They do that, right? So we're all somewhere in that continuum and we want to find... The, the dosage that allows us to feel exactly like the people who found 100 easy in a sense so they're not going to find that workout easy it'll be a tough workout 100 of all those movements but let's say at the end of it they feel X amount of fatigue it took them X amount of time well my aim is for that person who's a newer to the to the exercise regime to take roughly the exact same top amount of time because that means they challenge the same energy system. So we're talking like, uh, was it very aerobic? Was it anaerobic? Was it strength-based? Um, well, for someone who does 100 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, and 100 squats in five minutes, that's going to be very anaerobic. The person who takes 50 minutes yep. to do that same amount of work, now they've gone incredibly aerobic. It might even be like elements of strength in there because they're doing one rep at a time, but for the most part, this is going to be an aerobic demand. So yeah. they've actually had a complete different workout huh. to person. So that can mess with the programming within a gym. What we're aiming for is for everybody to get the same kind of stimulus. Mm. And so that's that requires intelligent scaling. Um, so you're um, wanting them all to do it in roughly in that time span of, say, five or ten minutes or whatever it is, and for them to scale it to their ability within that time frame rather than going for an hour to try and finish the reps because for the most part the energy systems in all humans are the same if you if you exercise hard for five minutes it's going to be very anaerobic if you exercise at a moderate pace for 30 minutes it's going to be very aerobic um so getting this that same sort of um that same sort of time zone would be very helpful but uh yeah then other ways um we do workouts that aren't for time because, you know, CrossFit is very much typically the clock's running and you're trying to go as fast as you can. Uh, we'll do workouts just where the, the clock isn't running or, or the scoring aspect isn't as clear or, or important. Um, we did, did one actually very similar today, but uh, <laughs> one of my members said, um, I'm not liking you very much now, Darren. Um, it was still a tough workout. <laughs> it was a very tough workout, but it, it didn't require scoring. Uh, it was hard in its own way. Yeah. And so remove some of that competitiveness, and yeah, that's, that can lead to um, injury or, or even yeah. Even, yeah. even mental issues, so I say, where it becomes the main emphasis is just, I'm just trying to beat people all the time, and, and that's all I'm concerned with is putting the best score on the board, um, you know, which takes away a lot of the, um, the creep motivation behind why we're exercising in the first place. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've gone and done, you know, because I'm stupid and not intelligent when it comes to competitiveness. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, I don't like to be beaten by 20-year-old boys. Um, I've um, gone and, you know, do my own thing. With, and, and, I can, and I know that I can push myself extremely hard without that motivational factor, but I also know that I won't risk actually injury in that case. So for me, that works, that works really well. What about... 
barriers to entry into your world of fitness like it's pretty intimidating to walk into a crossfit gym or any gym for that matter if you're someone who's completely at the beginning of their journey what would be your message to the people out there who who don't know where the hell to start and are just completely intimidated by this whole thing um, well yeah um, firstly I, I want to say that it's not as intimidating as you think uh Every CrossFit gym is full of a massive range of people of all shapes, sizes, abilities. Uh, I actually had uh, a new new member came along yesterday to try it out, and she walked up to the door very slow. I happened to be down at the front desk, and I just saw her in the corner of my eye. And she walked up very, very slow to the door, and she told me later that she was about to turn and run. Every mm. step closer to the door, she was fighting the urge to actually leave. And she said, "If because I was, uh, we did the we did the intro session outside of class time. She said if she'd seen a single person in the gym, she was going to hightail it out of there." <laughs> um, and um, and I was really sorry to hear that in a sense. I was glad I could put her mind at ease, but. Uh, I know a lot of people think that way about exercise in general, let alone CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, they often get the wrong idea. You know, they watch CrossFit on YouTube or something or ESPN. That is the sport of fitness, not the strength and conditioning exercise system. It would be like watching um, those guys on the Tour de France cycle 200 uh, 200 kilometers a day for nine days and go, well, bloody hell, there's no way I'm going to take a bike on the front now. Yeah, because that cycling stuff looks insane. <laughs> it's a completely different approach. So yeah, it's important to bear that in mind. And um, and then lastly, yeah, the, the beauty of CrossFit is how it can scale to everyone. So our, our youngest member is six. Our oldest is about sixty-three. Wow. We've got all shapes and sizes. People who've come who are you know world champions in their respective sports to people who've never exercised a day in their lives. And um, it's just fundamental functional exercise so we teach people how to squat how to pick things up how to put stuff over their head how to support their own body weight how to move around better and um, and that, that applies to anyone no matter what their goal is um, yeah to start slow um, and as far as crossfit gyms go inquire around try to you know talk to people find out who's got the best reputation uh, but not only that, you want you want to find a community that suits your kind of vibe, you know. So, um, you know, maybe a gym that's in the CBD of Auckland might be a younger clientele um, versus someone out some at a gym out in the suburbs. Like we are a little bit more family yes. oriented, you know. So, um, if you're 23 and like to party, maybe the suburban CrossFit isn't going to be the right one for you. But if if you've got a family, vice versa, you know. So. Um, and then the, the owner and the coaches tend to contribute to the, the style of the gym. So, uh, you know, you might have a, a coach who, who loves implementing gymnastics into the programming. You might have a coach who's very much into Olympic weightlifting or kettlebells. Or um, We've got a lot of strongman equipment like tires and sleds and stones and sledgehammers and stuff like that because I'm very fond of that kind of training. Right. Um, so, yeah, all those sort of things that make up the vibe of the community would be something to check out and, I'd say 99% of all across the gyms will do a free trial of some sort. Yep. So, yeah, if you've got the luxury of chicken more than one in your Excuse town or city, I would, I would recommend that uh, that's what you do. And um, 
make up your yeah, make up your own mind in that sense. For sure. Um, yeah, because I mean, I find it in my in my coaching business too that for me, uh, the community side of it is actually equally important than the actual programming and the actual. Um, so. Yeah, that advice, that that, that, that family spirit. That, I mean, and ours is online with the occasional weekend away and stuff like that. But um, even online, you can you can get that those friendships going, that support network going. You know, when someone's had a rough day and they put up on the group, yeah, we've had a crap run today. I felt like lead. I don't know what's wrong. You know, and someone will come along and pick them up and go, hey mate, that's cool. I just had one of those last week, and you know that community feeling and that support network because a lot of <clears throat> A lot of people that are, that are training for something often get a lot of negativity in their own networks around them. They're, maybe their family's not supportive, maybe their mates aren't supportive, maybe their work colleagues aren't supportive. You know, what are you doing this running lot for? What are you, what are you, who do you think you are? And all that sort of thing. So, so having that support network around you, I think, is as big a part of the coaching aspect as, as far as, you know success goes as well as the actual programming and what you the nuts and bolts of how to run or how to do you know your exercises um for me that's i spend a lot of time on the psychological aspects of it the community side and then overcoming psychological problems and barriers to to success how much time do you spend uh getting people to you know to, I mean, we're our own worst enemies, aren't we? Oh, very much so. Yeah, the human animal. We're in trouble. So, yeah, I mean, it's, whether it's just, just getting in the door, you know, three times a week to to actually do the workout, let alone dealing with the psychology of um, how hard it's going to be or, or whether you find a movement difficult or it makes you feel uncomfortable to to do a handstand or climb a rope or, or anything like that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of mindset work. Uh, setting goals, chasing them. Um, you know, we talked about nutrition. There's certainly you know, an incredible amount of um, psychological things yeah. involved there. Um, it's yeah, it's, it, it is a big part of it. Um, and I don't I don't sort of coach it in a very structured way. You know, it's very much the individual. So every every member. Um, at this gym, I, I know them. I know them um, fairly personally, and what their deal is, what's going on. And so, it's mostly conversations between sets, before class, after class, um, uh, via email, Facebook, texts, that sort of thing. You know, just how they're getting on, how they're dealing with aspects of their training or, or stuff outside of the gym. Yep. yep. And uh, yeah, often I'm just a shoulder. You know, it's just it's someone to uh, to talk to or vent to. Uh, or a bit of a sounding board for things that they've got to deal with, decisions they've got to make, or, or obstacles that they're dealing with um, that might be interfering with with their nutrition or their exercise. Um, and, and often that's maybe all that's required, you know, is to be a bit of a shoulder. Um, which is why our community works so well. At the same time, you know, if they're not talking to me, they're going to talk to another member, which is great, uh, and uh, help them work through those issues together. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really crucial part of being a coach is, um, you know, it's the mind skills stuff and um, being being able to push when they need pushing and then support when they need supporting um, and not letting them give up because the key to most things is persistence. Hey, it's um, being consistent and, and keeping at it, you know. Um, and some of us are blessed 
genetically and some of us aren't. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, longevity, health, being able to move functionally and when you're 80 or 90 would be, would be you know, a goal. Exactly. Yeah. So no, one, no one's going to care what you did. Now, you're not, you're not, you're not going to be on your <laughs> deathbed going up, you know, oh, I it used is. to be able to lift this much or run this far. Like, it's sure, it's sit, like it's from competition and achievements and, you know, um, world records and things like that. Absolutely, a little bit of a legacy, but generally, I would rather still be. I would still prefer to be to be walking around and doing stuff rather than saying I used to be really good at that. Yeah. So now I'm in a wheelchair. Example: <laughs> I'd rather still be able to walk to the shops when I'm 80. Yeah. Rather than be in a wheelchair at 75, going, I used to be able to run a three-hour marathon. Yeah. Because what was the point of, of that? Uh, if it meant that you had overtrained and you ended up um, uh, living a lesser quality of life later on. And of course, it's really hard for us to get our heads around um, being 75, perhaps, right now, if we're, if we're younger and in the prime of our lives. Uh, you know, it's like trying to save for retirement. Not a lot of people are going to do it. <laughs> you know, we know deep down it's important. Um, so that comes back to the human nature thing we were talking about. Uh, so yeah, I try to find a you know a, a, a bit of a sweet spot, I guess, where we can we can allow people to uh, to experience and um, explore that competitive side. But we do our best, whether it's through you know intelligent warm ups, cool downs, uh, well structured programming, so that they will get the stuff they need to allow them to you know stay active and, and injury free for many many years. Yeah, because you do get. I mean, I see it in ultra marathons. I suppose you see it in CrossFit too. Um, the ones who come in, they, they end up, say, doing a 100 miler or something, and then they just get the bug and they just go for it one after the other and just smash one event after the other to the point of absolute exhaustion, and then in three years' time, they're gone. And you never see them again. And, um, I mean, I've done it to myself partly, and I've pulled back just in time, really, um, because you can absolutely burn yourself out mentally. And, and physically and I think it's not worth um, it's not worth it like I I try to get my athletes to pick one or two events a year and that's it you know so they're aiming for that the rest of it's all about building for that I don't like it when they say oh I want to do this one I want to do that one and this one and this one and this one it looks good on Facebook but it's bullshit you know it's uh, it's not going to help them be around in 10 years time or 20 years time still doing the same thing and that's that is my long term goal for them even if they're not worried it's it's tough but again social sports like running and crossfit people are often doing it for the that interaction so yeah the the competition frequency creeps up but um, it's certainly not too productive Uh, I've actually let let members go Uh, I fired them yeah uh, because I just can't get through them. Yeah, it's not worth it's not worth my stress. Um, you know, yep. if, if if they're not gonna having having had the success with athletes, had the success myself as an athlete. Uh, if if it doesn't speak for itself, you know, people still can't keep their head around the fact that maybe they're different and they need a different approach. Yeah. To, to you know, and, and they they're not learning from the mistakes I've made and the lessons I have for them. Uh, I tend to suggest they go and find a coach that's willing to indulge their, 
their knees. <laughs> their mental health issues. Yeah. And then that either brings them to their senses or uh, we shake hands apart ways. And, uh, yeah. I don't follow them on Facebook so I don't have to see all the stupid things they're doing and uh, everyone's happy. Yeah, because I think there is a bit of that FOMO stuff, you know, on Facebook. It looks like everybody's doing every event every weekend. Um, and, and it, you know, it's not true. You, you're just watching 100 people do different things and you're thinking... Oh, I'm not doing anything with my life. <laughs> and it's, it's an easy one to fall into that trap. Um, just briefly before we, we wrap up, Darren, um, tell us about your trip to the States and doing the CrossFit, the competition side of it, because it's really damned impressive what you what you just did. So tell us about that. Uh, so it was, the, it was the CrossFit Games, but it was, it was the... They have a few divisions. So there's the individual competition, which is uh, sort of the premier... Um, part of it and um, over the years I've had a couple of stabs at, at getting there and I've I very nearly made it a couple of times yep. but uh, the rapid growth of the sport has, um, has put that out of reach of um, most mortal men and women these days yeah it's insane um, it's what they do it's to train for it but uh, thankfully I recently turned 40 which meant I was able to qualify <laughs> for the for the masses you know, <laughs> uh, which uh, I, I have to say in all modesty is it's certainly still no easy feat. Um, no. I'm not trying to say it was an easy road in. Uh, only 20 people from each five-year uh, age bracket. Wow. Uh, 20 so people was, in the whole world in your age bracket. Yeah, so I was wow. pretty, pretty darn stoked to qualify. And um, yeah, we competed in LA over three days, um, different events. They all are a secret until about a week beforehand. Wow. And um, that involved everything from um, running the stadium stairs, uh, lifting heavy weights, skipping uh, heavy sandbags, pull-ups, throwing metal balls. Um, what else we? Uh, yeah, like uh, testing maximal lifts. Wow. So yeah, it was a nice variety of things, and I ended up twelfth, uh, which again I'm, I'm happy with. Hell yeah! It's given me, given me a little bit of desire to have a crack next year and see if I can make it back. See, and, uh, life begins at forty, Darren. You know. Seems to be that way. <laughs> I was pretty late to, to getting into um, to CrossFit. I was 32 when I discovered it, so I've certainly been getting better every year. And I've, I'm interested in testing the theory out that I can be fitter and stronger and faster uh, all the way up to 50. Amen to that one, because that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Like um, for me, I'm, oh, I've done pretty much everything in ultra marathon world that I can be bothered with, and. For me now, it's more like, what else can I do? Uh, what, what? I want to better myself as I'm getting older. I'm 47 next week. God, um, you don't look it. <laughs> neither do you, mate. 40, um, and I want to be improving all the time. I don't want to be going backwards and oh, I'm getting old and it's time to retire and stuff. That that sort of mentality. I don't want to have crap creeping in. Okay, I I'm not too keen on doing another 100 mar- uh, ultramarathons because what's the point? I've done 140 of them. You know, it's, I, I just want something new. And I think as you age, you know, that's perfectly fine to develop into something else, not to, to be defined by something that you did, you know. Um, and that there are different types of fitnesses and you can still improve in your 40s. I mean... Yeah, and at, at a top, like for you as a top little athlete, you, you do have to change your focus a little bit because... Uh, from a sheer performance perspective, there's no way that you could run as far or as often or as fast as you did in your in your 30s and early 40s 
because it's just not possible. Like when you're at the peak of something, you're, you can only go down. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are other aspects of fitness, and I'm, I'm blessed in CrossFit because it's so varied. I yeah. Actually, and it, because I was late to it, I'm actually still on the upward stream. <laughs> when I started 22, I would have been maxed out probably by now. Yeah. But because I was a little bit late to it, I've got a bit more, bit more room to improve. So I'm just improving, in, you know, on my own measurements, not on what's possible physically for a human being. Yeah. Which, you know, we're starting, well, still going up, but, um, you know, at some point, like the 100 meter sprint, you know, you start to see um, a, a leveling off of what's possible. Yeah, it gets down to micro, micro seconds, yeah. So... I think that's a good way to end up the show, you know, like um, people who are getting older in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, you don't need to quit training and and I actually think the older you get, the more you have to train, or the more sensible you have to train, but the more you have to actually do like the rehab, the mobility, all of that stuff becomes more and more essential. Totally agree. So it's not time to back off, it's time to go harder. No, the doctors will tell you to do Tai Chi and go for a walk. Uh, and again, nothing wrong with either of those two pursuits, but um, you also need to be lifting weights, getting strong, building muscle, so that you can get in and out of the car, up, up from the couch, off the toilet. Exactly. Um, and yep. out of the bath. And um, your walking is not going to do that for you, unfortunately. No, it isn't. And, you know, I mean, I take my, my 73-year-old mum to the gym t- three times a week, and she does aqua aerobics. She hates the gym. Um, she loves her aerobics, but I said to her, you know, you've got to get this strength back. You're losing it. You're not able to get up out of your chair and all that sort of stuff. So she's smashing it at the gym now. After a few weeks now, she's gotten into that rhythm, you know, um, and, and it's not too late. But if you give up at 45, if you give up at 50, then you're going to, you know, you know strength-wise, you lose a hell of a lot. You've got to be on top of it all, you know, and I think... That's probably my passion moving forward is getting older people to do more, not just the younger ones, it's the older ones that can do so much more and it's not about competing, it's about, <laughs> like you say, being able to get out of the car when you're 90, you know? I think it's a great goal and there's going to be more and more of them. <laughs> yeah, we're an ageing population, eh? <laughs> Hey, look, thanks, Darren, for your time today on the show. It's been a a real um, in-depth interview, really, into the inside of an elite athlete and also someone who's got so much wisdom um, across the board, both from a Master of Science point of view and from a CrossFit point of view as an athlete, as a coach. Thanks for taking the time out today. I hope people out there got a few gems of wisdom from you today. That was an absolute pleasure. Hopefully we can talk again soon. Thanks, Darren. You've been listening to Pushing the Limits, brought to you by Running Hot Coaching, your online health and fitness coaching platform. For more information, visit us at www.runninghotcoaching.com.